This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast, now in our sixth season looking into the exciting happenings of Ipswich Town Football Club. This is the flagship show. My name is Mikey Penty-Smith and on the weekend that Strictly Come Dancing returned to our screens, I'm joined by two proud dad dancers. It's Joe Fares and Craig Fimbo. How are you both? Yep, good cheers, Mikey. Yeah, thank you very much, mate. And uh, yeah, neither of you are offended by being called dad dancers, are you? I think it's quite the compliment. Absolutely, 100%. I've been called a centrist dad politically. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like dad dancing and an awful dad pun joke is pretty much all I live for now. It's, you get to a point, and Joe, Joe will find this in a, two or three years' time, that all I'm here to do now is to embarrass my children in front of their mates. <laughs> I, I still remember from my dad, whenever we'd go out for dinner, just the dreadful waitress jokes that would come. I'm sure Craig is following up with those. Yeah, 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 exactly. Mates come round, a couple of jokes at their expense, and uh, yeah. Away we go. Yeah, it's good fun. Excellent. And uh, yeah, we're going to start with the news and something which isn't a laughing matter. And that's um, the news that came out on Monday that James Norwood had been charged with drink driving. Obviously, this is inexcusable behaviour from anyone, let alone a professional footballer. Um, but would you would you expect the club, Joe, to stand by a player and not just get rid of him like some people have maybe suggested on social media? Well, I think the only problem we've got is that I think if the club could have got rid of him in the summer they would have done at that point because it's seemingly not working out from here but the issue is he's on a good league one wage and no and that was a good league one pre-salary cap wage so putting together putting out the sort of wrongs of this well crime which it literally is he's he's someone that we probably wanted out anyway this and all this does is make it harder for us to get rid of someone on a higher wage but Ultimately, I, I do think like he was he was banned for, from driving for drink driving when he was at Forest Green as well a, a number of years ago. So he's somebody who you don't probably need to sort of extrapolate too hard to say he's got issues with his drinking or has had issues in the past or currently has issues. And it it does seem that the club probably need to offer him some support and some help to to sort of benefit everyone to benefit him to make him sort of better as a person, player, professional, whatever, whichever way you want to do it, and to help the club by having a, a someone who is clearly a good goal scorer backfiring. But the way things are at the moment, it does seem that nobody's winning out of this, least of all Ipswich Town. Indeed. And you are just speculating when you say that he might have a, a drink problem. Um, we'll move on from that one. Um, and on Thursday, a £50 million rescue deal for... Uh, for League One and League Two clubs, not the Championship from the Premier League, was described by the EFL as some way short of what is required, Craig. Can I get your thoughts, first of all, on that offer and the EFL's subsequent rejection? And do you expect there to be a resolution which satisfies all parties? It's just not going to happen, is it? 
No, no, I wouldn't think so. Um, in terms of the the offer itself, it wasn't a, a flat fifty, was it? It was twenty follow twenty in terms of a an offer, and then thirty in terms of interest free loans, wasn't it? Or grants, whatever, however you want to call it. Um, but if you're splitting that across forty plus teams, you know that's that's not an awful lot when you when you spread it that thinly. If you think Marcus Evans has come out and says. Ipswich Town themselves are going to be approximately ten million pound down, you know, at the other end of this with a, with a fair wind. Um, well, okay, well we'll have our ten million pound share of it then, and they can they can spread the forty million pound between the rest of them. Um, as you say, it, there, I'd imagine there will be another offer come to, come to the table, and they, you know, we're going to have to the teams the EFL are going to have to accept something. You're not going to look a gift horse in the mouth, and it just depends, I suppose what sort of caveats are attached to it. But, you know, clubs are going to go to the wall here, aren't they? Um, we are in a fortunate position whereby our owners footing the bill, currently footing the bill. Um, there are clubs who don't have such rich owners who are somewhat reliant on getting people into the into the ground, as we found out to our cost when, you know, the league got called off um, early doors last season. Um, as I said, I think there'll be an, another offer come in and it will be accepted um, purely just to help some clubs survive. But it, it does seem that the EFL has, it's almost been a sort of a case of look what you could have won with regard to that project big picture where it was 250 million pounds to the EFL, 25% of future TV rights. And the chairman, the EFL chairman, Rick Parry had negotiated what was sort of on the face of it for the EFL, a brilliant deal. Obviously there's, we all know that there's problems with that, with the power that would have gone to the big six clubs and the potential of what could have gone from there. But, but ultimately, the EFL, they all unanimously agreed to take the 250 million, and now 250, which is what we we they need, is now 50. So it's a massive drop from that, and it it seems with regards to the EFL, or oh, sorry, the project big picture as it was, as more has come out in the post, it seems like the bottom end of the Premier League are the clubs which are sort of ruining it for everyone, if that makes sense, because they don't like the team, your Crystal Palaces, your Brightons, your Fulhams, teams like that don't want to give up their guaranteed 100 million a year. But the reality is the biggest problem in football is the cliff edge between the Premier League and the Championship. And there does need to be a sort of fairer spread of money between the bottom of the Premier League and the top of the Championship. But all these teams... They don't, they don't want to give it up. But, but, but like I say, looking at the big picture, when you look at not... If you take out this big six having all the votes, the the extra loan players, the them being able to negotiate their own TV deals for certain games, that, that sort of thing of it. The actual thing that is put forward is probably best for 75 of the 92 league clubs, but the the 15 in the middle that it's not best for are the ones that are able to vote it down, which was almost the problem we had in league one last year. The, the bigger clubs wanted to play on and the sort of 14, 15 smaller clubs in the league didn't, and they, they had the power and it's the same in the premier league now. It's when you, as you say, it's when you look at the figures, and I was, I had a brief scan through the, the um, document that Gary Neville, the one that Gary Neville was involved mm. in, and they put a proposal through. And you just look at the figures in the championship, as you say, Joe, the cha- as we all know, the championship's a basket case, but in terms of the, the income and the wages to income ratios, it's just way beyond anything in leagues one and two. Yet, you know, leagues one and two are the ones that are suffering from wage caps when, you know, nobody, I don't think anybody can come to any sort of solution as to what the hell they can do with the championship. Well, you, the, the bottom teams in the Premier League get about £100 million a year. And if you want to get rid of parachutes, which seems something that they want to do because it distorts competition, you, you drop down to about £15 million revenue at the top of the championship. And it's just like, how do you, no business can go from £100 million one year to £15 million the next year. You can't put 85% wage drops in people's contracts and things like that. Another thing, sorry. Sorry, Mark. I was saying another thing. I was I was reading this morning about the knock-on effect of reducing the size of the Premier League down to eighteen and stuff. It's just the knock-on effect to to the clubs. You know, clubs have got to drop out of the. You know, you got more clubs dropping out of the Premier League, and the knock-on mm. effect to the even the people that work for them and the and the areas that. You know, as we knew when we were in the Premier League, the the the, the boom, the boost it gives to the local economy, and just just things like you've got fewer clubs in the in the Premier League now that will be, well not now but that could potentially take advantage of, of just 
knock-on effects like that. Yeah, and there'd be more teams also dropping out of the Football League as well, wouldn't there? Mm-hmm. For at least a, a couple of seasons as well. So, yeah, task for our viewers and listeners is to comment on this video with a fair resolution. and um, <laughs> Something everybody can agree to, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Should be, should be easily done. Um, but, yeah, on a slightly cheerier note, um, it was a good week for the under-23s, Joe. Um, a pretty strong side, first of all, won at Colchester earlier on in the week before a, a younger side came from 3-0 down at Birmingham to win 5-4. Um, Zach Brown scored a hat-trick. Um, what's your assessment of these two games, Joe? I know you possibly didn't get the chance to watch them because of all of the restrictions and so on, but um, just a quick question on Zach Brown as well. Why is he not considered... Um, a first-team player. Um, on Zach, I, I don't really know why, because he was one that was kicking on, but maybe it, he's, he's, more of a, he's ended up more as a wide striker, where he was, in reality, probably a second striker in a 4-4-2, someone who likes to play off a big man, get in, score goals that way, which that role just doesn't really exist so much. So he's having to adapt his game into more of a wide striker role if he wants to push on to first-team football, because... It's very, very difficult unless you're built like Tyree Simpson for a young player to come in and play that that role in the, in the middle of three strikers, which he sort of had a late chance doing yesterday. But so with the games, it was good that we played Colchester because it allowed us to play a stronger team. Because if we if you'd have played Birmingham on the Monday, you wouldn't have sent Jack Lancaster, Armando Dobber up there. They they just don't bother with away games. But being Colchester's twenty minutes down the road. It's sort of a decent there. Keenan Bennett's first goal for the club and go from there. But, but this one, because I, I looked at the team on Friday and Zach Brown was on a bench for it. And it's a team it's like there, there just isn't a striker in the team. And then when you saw us 2-0 down at half time and they're like, oh, Zach Brown's coming on. I was like, OK, we're decent because there was no strike. And then all of a sudden it just went went mad and sort of two penalties, Brett McGavin and a hat-trick for Zach. So good. But like I say, hopefully he's one that we'll be able to push on, maybe get a loan somewhere in the into the non-leagues to try and toughen up a bit he was at Leiston last year briefly so we'll see how it goes for him that's a good segue for me because um, Barry Cotter has been loaned out to Chelmsford and that happened late on Friday um, so this is sort of our deadline day roundup and um, Ben Falami was heavily linked with a move back to Australia I haven't read any news about that hap- I don't know if that's actually happened yet or not and from the sounds of it, it's, he, it's not it, it didn't formally happened. No, but yeah, I think, I think it's going to happen. Mate. Yeah, their the, the league season doesn't start till December. Basically, he's in the, I think they call them the Olympi Ruse team, their sort of Olympic team. And he, he needs to go back and play for that. So he's going to go there and have the season at Melbourne Victory. It's, and it sounds like he's already over in Australia and it's a done deal, but it's just not announced yet I've heard there was another couple of young players including Tyree Simpson who was very close to going out so I don't know whether the late sort of goings on with regards to Jackson and Hawkins put the kibosh onto that yeah quite quite possibly um one man that didn't move on though Craig uh was Armando Dobra who turned well reportedly turned down a, a loan move to Crawley Town um where do you stand on this decision? Because on one hand, it's good that he's showing the fight and showing that he's desperate to get in that Ipswich team. But on the other hand, he's turning down a better opportunity to get minutes under his belt. Yeah, yeah, pretty much exactly that. Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, it would only have been 10 weeks, two months worth of loan, wouldn't it? We presumably could have recorded him should we need to in, in January. Um, you know, it's all all power to his elbow that he thinks he's going to break into the team. And maybe he looked at the injuries around and bubbling around and thought, well, you know, I've, I've got good a chance of getting a, getting a game here. But issue being is that we're no longer in the league cup. There's one more match in the EFL. Um, you know, he, he's going to get five, 10 minutes at the end of matches. If he's lucky, he's probably behind Lancaster in that respect to come on and play an attacking midfield role. I, I can't really see him getting many minutes other than the, the EFL trophy in a, in a couple of weeks time. Um, I suppose it depends how it's, how is it going to be perceived within the club? Is it, as you say, is it a, a toss of a coin between, oh, well, you know, good luck to him. Let's see what he's got you know, to prove himself here or, or oh, come on, mate, you could have done yourself a favor and got yourself probably a f- dozen or so matches in, in 10, 10 weeks. Yeah. Um, and, and come back in January, and then you can see 
see how it is. And you could always go out and loan again in January. Yeah, I, I think he probably should have gone as well because he had a chance to get some games. The only thing in his favour is that while it's only ten weeks, we've got we've got at least seventeen games in those ten weeks with regard, and and that's that's in, assuming we get knocked out of the trophy and knocked out of the FA Cup. So we could end up we could easily easily end up with twenty games between now and January the first, which is going to need some 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 rotation in there, isn't it? But I, I think he had a chance to go. He probably should have taken it because. I say it's only a few weeks, isn't it? And if he'd have ripped it up there, he could have come back, or yeah. maybe would have wanted how to do, stay. How do we expect Lambert to to deal with kind of being rebelled against in a way as yeah. well? If, if Lambert wanted him to go out on loan, and he's turned around and said no, that's not going to hold Dobrim particularly good stead with the manager, is it? I suppose you don't know how the conversations went between them. It could have been because I think there's talk that it was a. That Crawley play a four four two, and he'd have been a wide man in a four four two. But he sees himself more as a ten, and doesn't want to go and play as a wide midfielder in a four four two. So it it might be that there's something along those lines that he wanted to play in a role that suits him a bit more, which does exist at Ipswich, which maybe doesn't at Crawley. Generation Z, hey Craig. Oh my God, yeah, but just as you say, just go out and play football, mate. Doesn't matter, does it? Play right wing, play left back. Do what Alan Judge does and just play every position during during a single match. Um, so just go and get twelve games on you, but like your mate does has up at Cambridge. Come back in January if you need to. You know, if if we all agree, come back in January. We'll sell you. Well, we could send him back on a loan to Crawley again. Can't you think that the fact that it's all done and dusted pretty much, apart from the the final piece of the jigsaw to agree to it? I don't. I can't imagine it's being looked on particularly well. And Craig, you're. Your son plays youth football. He's a he's a goalkeeper, though. Do his teammates claim to be number tens or cams or CDMs or yes, there is a proliferation of numbered cams. Everyone calls it a bloody cam nowadays, yeah, and they're all cams. Um, and it, it, my little boy's what twelve, going on he's thirteen soon. You kept, and he's been playing for six years, and nobody. It's completely different to when Christ when I was a lad. Nobody wants to be a striker anymore. Nobody wants to be the number nine goal hanger anymore. Mm. You, know, you can't get any of the kids. You can't even persuade them to do it and stand up front and stay on the last man. They all want to yeah. just play that little drop deep role. Yeah, I, I had that problem with my university team because I wasn't wasn't in the first couple of teams. They'd have one or two decent strikers each. There just wouldn't be any others at trials. <laughs> so you end up just trying to. You end up playing people in a false nine almost, um, which which is a very strange thing to do, isn't it? Never yeah, works. It never works. <laughs> Excellent. So um, this feels like Groundhog Day, Joe. Um, Ipswich women's team won ten nil again today in the FA Cup against Peterborough. It's not Peterborough United. I don't know if it's affiliated, but obviously another game they're expected to win, but. Must be doing a lot for the feel-good factor around the club that the under-23s, the first, the men's first team and the women's team are all doing so well. Yeah, but winning, winning is a habit, isn't it? And any, any team that starts winning is, is, is a good thing to do. Like I, I know, probably, I don't know how much value you get out of these sort of 10-0 wins, and I'm sure the girls don't. I think they were 6-0 up within about half an hour today, so they obviously took their foot off the gas a little bit. But I think that is a bit of an issue with the ladies' team that, they should have been promoted last year. They were the best team in the league, but now they've got to go and do it all again. And it's credit how they've started the season that they can, that they are looking like doing it all again. I don't think they've, I think they've won every game so far in, in league and cup. And I noticed yeah. that they're and they was... won, they won against their main rivals. I believe yeah. as well in hashtag, didn't they? And that's, that's, a, that's the big deal, isn't it? Because you can be in a league of 10 teams. You can beat five of them, 10 nil, four of them are tougher ga- or three of them are tougher games. And one is a rival. And, with only one promotion place, you end up not getting promoted because you've had a couple of bad games. So the fact they've beaten hashtag United and they're beating everyone else is a good thing. But just on that, I noticed that there was seven players called up for England age group squads in the girls' side last year and under 19. So well done to Anna Gray, Eloise King, Abby Lafayette, Paige Peak, and Sophie Peskett, and then Maddie Biggs and Lucy O'Brien in the under-18s, which is, shows that the club is doing a hell of a lot right to have seven girls called out for the England underage squads because that is they're up against, obviously, girls from all the top academies, your Man City, your Chelsea, which throw a hell of a lot of money at this. Mm. Yeah, it's good going. Yeah, definitely something to be proud of. Um, so let's let's move on to... Saturday's game, the men's game, um, at Crington with the visitors to Portman Road. 
Um, they burst our unbeaten bubble almost a year ago to the day, I believe, um, early on last season. And they might have been rubbing their hands again when they saw we didn't have a recognised striker in our team, Joe. Um, if you can talk us through that team and yeah, explain the big the big news from that one. Yeah, well, I, I saw the team come out and I just flicked through it and I, I sort of comment on oh, unchanged team because I'd I just wasn't expecting to look. At, I'd looked at the sort of wide strikers, and midfielders, defenders, keeper, yeah. and all of a sudden I think it was Rich in the WhatsApp said, "What about Hawkins?" And I was like. Oh fuck! Yeah. Hawkins <laughs> is gone, <laughs> um, and then you looked at it. and It was Sears, Judge, and Edwards, and I think everyone assumed it was going to be sort of Edwards on the left, Judge on the right, and Sears through the middle. But then I think Stu Watson and both Stu and Andy said that in the sort of warm-ups they were doing shape, and it was all with Judge dropping in deep, trying to find runners. Well, and that that is how we set up Judge, and and it, they talked about him as a false nine. Lambert said it's the first time he's ever gone out and not played any strikers, but. I say it. It, it turns into a bit concerned. of a hipster, isn't he, Lambert? Yeah, he's, I've heard him. He spoke to some German contacts about it, <laughs> but um, but it, um, yeah, it sort of played out fairly predictably in the first half, and it didn't really work. Well, I was mm. going to say, there's there's very very seldom is there much unity on on Twitter, certainly on the Ipswich Town hashtag. But I don't recall seeing anybody either once it sort of filtered through that judge is going to be nominally centre forward or false nine and then as it as it progressed during the first half everyone to a man stroke woman was of the opinion that this bloody well isn't working and you could see it wasn't going to work even before the match started which is which is handy because we haven't even got into the start of it yet Craig (laughs) I'll just quickly run through the the Accrington team for what it's worth so um they were playing a 3-5-2, 3-5-2, it's sort of a similar formation to Milton Keynes against against us the other week. So Savin in goal, Burgess, Hughes and Sykes, or Big Sykesy as Mick Mills was calling him, <laughs> across the back. Um, Uwakwe at left wing back, Nottingham of the Salford City documentary fame at right wing back. Then it was Russell, Keneally and Butcher in the middle with Pritchard and Bishop up top um and yeah with judge you've, you've already sort of mentioned it craig but with judge up against three giant defenders and accrington really pressing us pressing us hard working really hard it proves to be a very difficult first half didn't it yeah it did and as, as we sort of said it again on the whatsapp it, it's difficult to tell when, you, when you're not when you're not there in person and you can't see the whole pitch you know you're only seeing if you're lucky where the where the ball is on the pitch, or where you? the ball was sometimes, yeah, or you know the top of the stand and the and the gird is holding it up, but um, you you, you say so you only see where the ball is, and you know if the ball's hit forward, and you you know judging the you can't even actually tell where judge is until such time as he's in and in and around the ball, and he was he was right back, he was picking the ball off of the central defenders, which is fine as long as. You know, either one of the central three or two of the central three are getting forward, and then the wide players are getting up and forward. But it was causing the Sears and Edwards of having to get so narrow because there was nobody there up front, and then the, the midfield three were were all pretty much quiet to a man in that first half. Hughes Hughes was very quiet in the first half. Bishop barely got on the ball. Um, but I just think the fact that they didn't have anybody, they're so used to playing. And looking up and seeing Hawkins there, yeah, and just ping it into him, whether it be to his feet, whether it be to his head, they've got somebody to aim at. But I think it just threw the whole team off in that they were getting the ball, looking up, certainly someone like Dizelle who gets the ball, and he, as you know, he ping it in quickly into feet. Yeah. They just didn't have that out ball there. And so everything sort of just stopped and stuttered and it was a bit more ponderous. And yeah, it, it, it didn't work. Although, you know, saying that on... It worked in flashes because Judge did drop deep, didn't he? And he sent Sears through in the in the inside channel when. Yeah, that, that, I think that was the game plan that to Judge to drop in and yeah. to pick things out. And and to be fair to Judge, I thought he did actually play quite well in the first half. He was one of the only players getting on the ball and trying to make things happen. And, and anything good sort of did tend to come through him. But 
it just wasn't working as a as a role for the team. The midfielders had no one to play off. There was no one to just play the ball into. And because of that, we just looked... The midfield just did not turn up because they had no one to play with, really. And the thing is, as well, we had Edwards on the right, didn't we? Whereas he had a man-of-the-match performance the week before, playing on the left. Everyone's in agreement now. It's his best position. Yeah, he knows his best position. He got two goals and assist in his best position. Thank God for that. We can you know, hang our hat on the fact he's going to play there again. And he's out on the right. I know he did, to be fair, he did take on his man and got a decent cross in for Sears' chance in the in the six-yard box, didn't it? Sears hit straight at the keeper. Um, but as it showed, Joel talk about it, second half, playing in his right position on the left, um, and he's a, he's, a, he's a different player, even though, as I say, he's, been, he's arguably one of, the, one of the best players we've had so far this season. But it just seems that if you're going to play people out of position, why not play Sears out of position rather than the guy who's, you know, proved that he can play left left wing the, the week before one thing that i read today that may have come into lambert's thinking i can't remember who it was it's one of either one of the guys on eadt or twtd but they basically said that i think there may have been a consideration that judge just does not give his fullback enough protection and that if you'd have had him in front of chambers with that uwakwe who was their main outlet or protect or trying to protect kenlock that maybe we might have been overloaded down the flanks a little bit. So there was a, almost a case of trying to hide him in a role which didn't affect it. Because yeah. Sears and Edwards do 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 that dirty work well. But yeah. I'd say but ultimately, there's no, there's no you need to win the game. Swapped, you couldn't have swapped Sears and Edwards, though, could you? You could have played Sears out of position. Well, not yeah. that he would have been out of position on the right and played Edwards in his favourite position on the left. And, you know, they may have it may have been better. But yeah. as I say, I just, I just think that... Judge dropping deep just just through us because I say we just didn't have that focal point which we'd had for the previous half dozen matches that that had worked so so very well. Was he more false than the nine? Was he crazy? <laughs> well, he certainly wasn't. He certainly wasn't nine. Um, but you know, as Joe said, he 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 didn't play badly. He was picking the ball up, but it just it just left us with a gaping hole at the top of the pitch. Which mm. you know, as I said before, everyone knew that we would have before the match started and it transpired. I just don't understand sometimes why, and you know, perhaps Joe's right in terms of hiding him so he doesn't create so much so much disturbance in terms of defensive, um, but how often people just wait until half-time to make a change rather than waiting for 25 minutes, half an hour and making a change during the first half. You know, it's always a, this gets a half-time, well, it's half the match has gone now. Transpired, it didn't matter too much at the weekend, but... Um, yeah, I was I was about to come on to that though, but it, I mean, last season it wouldn't have been that unbelievable if Lambert just stuck with it out of stubbornness and didn't make the change. Um, as it turned out, he did. Um, with Sears moving into the middle, Joe Judge moving out to the right, and it didn't didn't take long for this slight change in. Well, it wasn't a change in formation or personnel, was it? It was just a couple of changes of position, and it paid dividends pretty early on, didn't it? Yeah, and I think that just having Sears there, it just kept their defenders honest it, it, because they had somebody there who was going to sit up there. And we all know Freddie Sears isn't a target man. He's not going to play with his back to goal brilliantly, but he knows how to play as a centre forward and, and he did play as one. And it meant that their centre-backs had to stay back and stay deep. And and ultimately, him he did drop in and that, that led to the goal, which was sort of a... A, a very sort of similar and typical goal to sort of how we've been playing all, all season, where Bishop picks up the ball, he drives forward, he lays it to Kenlock, Kenlock goes to Dazelle, and then Dazelle, like he has done countless times a season, is the one that just fires the ball in, gets a move started, and he fires it into Sears' feet. Sears takes a touch, Edwards is running off him as he's coming off the flank. It looks like it gets a bit of luck because it looks like the defenders should cut it out. I haven't seen a sort of a replay from another angle of it yet to see how and it got won't. through. I know, and I won't. <laughs> but um, and then Edwards takes it in and just really confident finish. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's how you those. describe it. Now he's he's yeah. looking confident. He's hitting, striking the ball with purpose, isn't he? And going across the keeper as well. But like I say, it's it's just a very typical goal of what how we've played this season, where yeah. we have strung six, seven, eight, nine, ten passes together in the, in the build-up to it. We have had a couple of players drive and sort of take a player out of the game with a sort of little bit of driving football. And it is the patterns of play, the shape, the movement, the, the work that we're doing off the ball that leads to these chances. It's, mm. it's, the, wide, it's the wide players playing off the, the front man. You know, mm. it, was, it was a carbon copy of 
chances we've had with Hawkins there. Don't say, as you said, Joe, it doesn't matter if Sears isn't six foot five. He's still playing that role. He's just dropping a little bit deep. And unlike the first half, Edwards then knew that there was someone. He knew which run he had to make because he's made it umpteen times before already this season. Absolutely. And I, I've been a, speaking of Freddie Sears, Craig, I've been a long term critic of his um, finishing in front of goal. Um, I find he often gets too close to the goalkeeper before having a shot. And when he does score, it's usually um, following up a rebound from his own shot. Um, but he had me eating humble pie in the 71st minute. And can you explain why? Yeah, well, you know, there were two chances in the first half, which pretty much sum up your um, thoughts there, Mikey. Weren't there? Well, he had the one-on-one, which he took pretty too close to the keeper, and then one on the edge of the six-yard box, which he hit straight at the keeper. But this one here, it was, it was an Accrington throw in wasn't it in the left back position they they threw it back to the defender who knocked it into big Sykesy who was sitting in the D um and he strode confidently out of defense and passed it straight to Alan Judge um who took a touch and slid in Sears to where big Sykesy may have should have been and as um Kendo Kawasaki has, has said on Twitter it was dinked dinked over the keeper I I do prefer a bit more a bit more uh, is, is it a parabola a bit more loft on my dinks. You know, it's was a bit, it a bit of a shallow dink, wasn't was it? it? A, was it a chip or a dink? Yeah, yeah see, see, I'd I, probably call it a chip. Yeah, a dink, a dink needs more loop, doesn't it? Yeah, that was a chip. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, ends up in the goal. A chip, a dink, or a lob. Yeah, we could argue about that one for hours as well, <laughs> couldn't we? Um, Nolan then replaces Hughes, who I don't think had his best performance a game, but minute, minutes in the legs. Um, before Bennett's and Simpson came on pretty late uh, for Judge and Sears, respectively. Um, but we see the game out pretty comfortably. Thomas Holy didn't didn't really have an awful lot to do. So 2-0, top of the league, five wins and a draw, and a goal difference of plus 11. Um, before we go into the twist questions, Joe, I have a quick question for you. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Um, You were, and maybe this was tongue-in-cheek, but you were very much um, enjoying the 100 goals, 100 points this time a year ago. Um, can I ask, are you more cautious this time around or privately you straight back into that mindset? You're just not as public about those feelings. I think last year it was, it was just sort of a bit of a joke, really, wasn't it? And, and the way we were... Pl- yeah, it was. Of, the way we were getting results, because we, we just were not playing well last year. We weren't creating a lot. And and I don't think sort of anyone can accuse us of talking with sort of hindsight here, because this was stuff that was brought up regularly on the pod, that we were winning games, but we were doing enough, but it... It's like we're building ourselves a good platform to build from here, but we need to be doing more. Where I'd say that's the opposite this year in that every every game we've played, if you look at the first half, for an example, yesterday, 
we were probably as poor as we've been. I, d- I didn't watch the MK game, which I think was another poor one, but we were very poor against Accrington. And if we'd have gone in behind at the break, I don't think anyone would have been sort of, well, not, not disappointed, but I don't think anyone would, could have really argued with it because they did look the better side. But ultimately, the best two chances in that half both fell to Freddie Sears. So we, and and one of them, they both fell from good bits of play. One judge dropping in, taking a touch and playing a perfect ball to him. And the other one, Edwards, sort of having an opportunity to cross in there's no one in there then standing up his fullback getting round him and or going through him almost and then not picking someone out putting the ball in a dangerous area once we got men in the box so I, I just think that we we just did not create anywhere near enough chances last year even when we were winning games but this year almost every game you can say look there's four five six good chances we've had that all could have ended up in goals so I'm a, I'm a lot more bullish now than I was last year but maybe not publicly because I, I just have such a fear that Lambert is going to screw it up because of what happened last year but it, it, I know we can sort of pick faults at little things and and the, the setup of the front three we, we all thought was wrong yesterday and it turned out that it changed but ultimately he won the game so I, I can almost say he hasn't really put a foot wrong with sort of selection or style this year. Mm. I think as well even yeah, even though Action did have a lot of the ball in the first half, every single chance they had was from outside the box, wasn't it? It yeah. wasn't as if they were scything us open and and you know, Holy was having to chuck his chuck himself in the. In they the only had one was, shot in the box in, in the whole game. Yeah, it was all all outside the box, all pretty speculative. And Mick Mills was saying, "Oh, we well, can't keep having them shoot." Well, okay, one might fly in the top corner, but you know, you'd, you'd hope that your goalkeeper will be saving the vast majority of shots that are from twenty five yards out. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, we'll move on to the questions from our esteemed listeners now. Um, we'll start with a Paul Lambert one, um, and we'll, I'll go to you, Craig. Uh, Mouth11 asks, why did it take an experienced manager like Lambert this long to realise playing a settled formation slash passing of play would produce better results than last season's pick, pick and mix tactic? I mean, do you think it was maybe Lambert losing his mojo a little bit, trying to be too smart? Um or was he was he being too stubborn? Or or basically, did, did we just have a problem? We never played well, so we had to keep changing it. Yeah, well, uh, this this time last year, when we were in a similar sort of position and, and things started to go a bit awry, I said to, I said on the pod, I hope he's I hope he's as clever as he thinks he is, mm. and it it transpired that he wasn't. I just thought he tried to be too clever last year, and it, it ended up confusing. It ended up confusing the players. Yeah, these players, yeah. and Joe said it. Joe said it many times. These players aren't Premier League players. Yeah, they don't want to be bombarded with tactics and systems. Certainly not, you know, different one every single time they play and walk out on the pitch. Just keep it simple. You know, these guys have grown up playing four four two probably in the, in the in the in the main. So if you can just drill it into them, keep it simple. Don't alter things too much. You've you've seen you've seen the results so far. Yeah. We, we're playing the same way and teams know how we're going to play and still can't, at the moment, can't seem to stop us. As Joe says, creating good chances every single match whereas, and we are keeping other teams at arm's length at the same time. So, Do you think, do you think he maybe took a, a bit of a step back um, during lockdown and everything and thought, I just need to go back to basics. I've, I've yeah. got the players here. Or do you think maybe he's been influenced by somebody else? Leo Neal or Marcus Evans, for instance. Well, possibly, possibly. But I, I would hope that he's just had a bit of introspection and, and thought to himself, well, I probably have got one of the better, we hope is one of the better squads, certainly some of the better players. And if, say, if I keep it simple and play to their strengths, which we are at the moment, then, you know, let's just leave it, leave it like that. Don't touch it. It's not broken. Let's not worry about fixing it. I think there was an element because it was a quote that we pulled up a number of times here and I know it is put in the paper by Stuart Watson picked up a number of times but it was an interview with Nick Ames that Lambert had and it talked about Roger Schmidt who was a by Leverkusen manager I think he's elsewhere now but saying I was changing from three to four to five at the back and he spoke to him and he said well what are you doing the players aren't going to understand it and I now get that and I'm not going to go away from it well he did last year and I, I think sort of you could probably make a case for a lot of the decisions he made last year. I, I thought they were wrong at the time and stand by it. But I think 
it's just a case that Norwood and Jackson looked good in pre-season, so he wanted to play two strikes on the pitch. We then were struggling to get hold of games in midfield, so he then wanted to have three central midfielders, but wanted to keep the two strikers, so we did that. And then when Vincent Young got injured, it's like, well, Garber, I want to, I want to get him in the team, but I can't get him in the team if I play. So you could, you can see how he came to the sort of solutions he did, but you could also see how the players were confused by it. And it did seem that we were just trying to put out our best 11 players on the pitch and rely on their quality as opposed to sort of there. But this year you can just see the players are talking about it. We've learned from it, the pattern to play. We're doing the same thing in training every week and it's becoming intuitive to the players. Just you can watch our highlights from our games and you can see how they sort of how they move and you can see that there's almost not even thinking about it. And I know having sort of Dizel and Bishop in there helps because they're, two ball players that have played a lot of football together and they know each other's runs and that sort of academy style which we've had. But it's just it's just them getting to know each other's games and when somebody's coming into the team, like like yesterday, Freddie Sears went up front and he's playing up front on his own, which is not something he's done a huge amount of times in his career, but he knows how he's got to play it. And when we're sort of decimated with injuries in that position, the fact we still set up the same way shows that it's here to stay and the players are going to adapt to it and they are doing so, so far. Such a pro, Joe, that you've, you've just answered the next question already um, from FPL Tractor because he observed that it felt more like last season, the Accrington game, that is, where we mainly relied on having better players in the key moments. Um, he says that's OK every so often, but last season showed you can't rely on it. But I think you've just said that that's, that's not really the case now that we have a... Yeah. A formation and a style of playing. So I'll, I'll move on to the next question. Yeah, well, Hopefully, almost, almost say like last season that satisfied. Sears puts away one of those chances in the first half. We then don't change anything and we win one nil and and we haven't played well. We we don't change it at half time. We we just sit on the one nil goal and they're not good enough to score. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, Mark Mark Beck asks, or yeah, there's a bit more to it than just a question. Um, he said, drinking game, rewatch the game and take a shot every time Mick Mills says big psychsy. Um You could probably do that with this podcast as well, because we've all adopted it as well. Um, well at God... one time, he nearly um, he compared him to Alan Hunter and, and another Jack, Alan Hunter and Jack Charlton. He compared him to one point in the first half. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely loving him and his clearances. Uh, so Mark says, a woeful first half had me worried, but it seems Town have grown a backbone and have a clinical edge. I mean, this is all this is all things that we've already discussed. Um, who's changed more this season, though, the players or Lambert? I'll go to you first, Joe, because the last one was actually Craig's question. Well, it, it's, it's definitely Lambert, isn't it? Because ultimately, the players they had good patches, they had bad patches. We had a we had a couple of little runs after the very good run at the start, but ultimately picking the same formation, the same style, and playing the same way every week. I know there's little tweaks in it, whether it's 4-3-3 to a 4-2-3-1, but ultimately we're basically doing the same thing. But the only thing I'd say, sort of on the flip side to that, is after that MK Dons game, which was a poor performance by all accounts, we bounced back with a really good game against Blackpool the following week. Mm. After the poor first half yesterday, we bounced back straight away. So the confidence doesn't seem to sap out the team like it did and has done for the last two or three years. And that's and that's and that's because the players are seeing fruits of their labour, aren't they? Now they're seeing that it works, so they've got they've got trust and they've got confidence in the the formation and the system and the style. They've seen that it works, so you know. And it was sort of, it goes back to the first game of this first game of the season, the Bristol Rovers game, where we just kept at it, didn't we? We just kept at it. We we had a it was nil nil at half time, but we just kept playing the same way, the play playing the same way, and the result came. And I just think that's just built and built and the players are seeing that it's working. So, you know, they've, they've got confidence that it's going to going to work regardless of who's in what position. I'm enjoying this positivity because the last time I was on with you, Craig, was a couple of weeks ago after Milton Keynes and everything felt slightly different. <laughs> um, I'm going to test your League One knowledge a little bit here, Craig. Um, which other League One teams have good finishers? Um Asks Cornish Mariner. He he says that Akronson had chances, but only once did they look like scoring. Um, so who who has good finishers in the league? Well, Milton Keynes have just got Cameron Jerome, haven't they? So yeah, yeah, he, he scored, didn't he? So yeah, there's, there's is probably, he a good finisher? I suppose he is well, at League One level. He's isn't better he? than what he's better than what they had. Yeah, he's a good um, striker. He's a good striker. I'm not suggesting he isn't a good striker at League One level, but 
I don't know if finishing is his is his bag. Yeah, I don't know. Um Peterborough, you'd say, wouldn't you? Yeah. I don't know who's scoring holes goes holes goals at the moment, but they're scoring scoring plenty of them, aren't they? Um yeah. Wilkes got two yesterday. Um yeah, you know, as and it's always the thing in the back of your mind, isn't it? And it's been it's mentioned plenty of times by the fans, is we haven't yet appreciate actually we're in the top six, but you know, we haven't yet played Hull. We haven't yet played Portsmouth, but you know, we we can only we can only beat what's in front of us. So, it, so I'd I'd argue that Akron didn't really have that many chances. So as we said before, they're all from all from long range. Um, so yeah, we're not we're not relying on them missing their missing their chances at the moment. Let's wait till we've played. Well, wait till we play Doncaster, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. We don't we don't have long to wait from now. Um, Mullets ever ever consistent. Um, with a question. Uh, I'll come to you, Joe. He says, another dreadful half of football, but an excellent excellent turnaround and result. Do we give Lambert more credit or accept that compared to the rest of the division, Ipswich just haven't been hit by the effects of lockdown as severely as our rivals? Well, I, I do think we are a team that's come out of lockdown in a strong position than most of our rivals because we had a lot of players contracted till the end of next season. So we only, out of the sort of regular players last year, what we've lost, Danny Rowe, who wasn't that regular, Luke Garber and Will Keane, who again, who wasn't that regular. So it's not a, like I say, when you look at teams, like even like Accrington yesterday, some of these teams are decimated by COVID because they had to lose. Their, their players go year to year and were decimated. Well, we haven't our squad churn. We're the lowest squad churn in the, in the league, according to experimental 361's Twitter feed. We were the, like 90 odd percent of the minutes that we played last year those players are still in the squad so there's definitely an element that we are settled but the, on the flip side we weren't settled on anything last season so it's not like it's not like we picked up a formation we played well for the last few months of the season missed out on promotion and then we can go again this year we we had to have a total reset we just have the same bodies in the in the building mm. absolutely i was just doing a quick google of danny rowe because I was sure that I saw him on EFL on Quest last no, night. He hasn't got he's, no, he's nowhere yet, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> when I Googled, I realised there's another Danny Rowe kicking about in the lower leagues at Oldham. Um, Tim Pashley asks um, Craig, he's also very consistent, always gets a question in. They're normally quite different to what Mullet sends in. Um, he asks, fan lockout and promotion or be let in and take your chances, your choice. I mean, it's just promotion at all costs, isn't it? This yeah, it has to be, doesn't it? It'd be it a shame. I mean, it won't. Be, it won't be a shame. It'll be fantastic if we get promoted, but it would kind of be a shame if if our one good season in twenty is one where we're <laughs> yeah. But if, if it's if it's one, in, if but... it's if it's your one good season in League One, getting League One promotion, you know, it's not. I'm I'm sure I could I could miss it. I yeah. Could miss it. But on the yeah, other promote, side of that, promotion, of one of the only good things about League One is. Going to the different grounds and stuff, which we've been able to do. I'm going to do, yeah. yeah. Get to see the diff- different different styles of cameramen, don't we? <laughs> well, it's always the always the same at Portman Road. <laughs> <laughs> you could, it was funny but yesterday. You could tell the exact moment the guy or girl in charge of the camera was checking their phone, weren't they? Because about half an hour in that, for that corner. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I thought oh, I'll just check the old Twitter feed while the camera's just drifting up towards the stand. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, Ipswich, John, the first half um, was not too similar to Rotherham away last year, a match where we were dominated for 90 minutes. Does the second half show that Lambert now has the flexibility to tweak the team as we now have a style of play and a pattern of play as a foundation we can build on? We've talked about this quite a lot, haven't we, Joey? He's yeah, on, I, isn't I, I think it's just making sure that the players have the confidence to keep trying to play because a lot of times in the first half, Holy had the ball and went long. And I know people said, oh, well, we were being pressed quite hard. But ultimately, the centre-backs had, had dropped back. They had enough space to take the ball. And you could you can hear the reaction from the bench often. And at one time, Holy played the ball short. And you'd hear a lot of sort of clapping and not cheering, from them, not sarcastic cheering, but like do that again, that's what you're supposed to be doing. Mm. And I think he must have been told that at half-time because his distribution was much better in the second half because it was pretty poor in the first half. Mm. Um, the thing is, I think he just, he just, a lot of the time he deals in such fine margins, doesn't he? He's, he's always aiming for chambers on the, on the wing and he's only got a, you know, 
a narrow corridor to ping it in. But for a guy, he literally can effortlessly stroke it about 80, 90 yards. Can't yeah, it's, it's just incredible, isn't it? Phenomenal. Well, often he effortlessly strokes it into about row K. Yeah, but he's still doing it 80, 90 yards. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um, Thomas Ebeling, um, the big question is, how is Lambert going to manage the squad over the next five games, Craig? Who do we need to play regularly and who can we afford to rest? Yeah, that is a good question. And when would um, you rest them as well? It, I'm guessing Doncaster's one that we can't afford to rest players for. No, well, we can only afford to rest players that we've got people to replace replace yeah. their positions, can't we? haven't we at the moment? Um, yeah. And all of a sudden, from having a having a squad which can play three elevens worth of central midfielders, we've, we're down to having you know the bare bones for one. So it, it, I suppose it's also integral. Who's integral to the way we play? Um, you'd, you'd probably say Dizel is integral to the way we play, isn't he? The other three midfielders... The, C- the sorry, CDM. The other, yes, quite. The other two midfielders, you could, you could make an argument for rotating Nolan, Judge, Bishop, Hughes... Dobra push sort of thing, but I think Dizel, that's the one. Dizel, Dizel's the one that um, makes us tick, and we sort of show, showed at the weekend that we can sort of get by without that, that tall central striker. I'd much prefer it if we, if he was there. Um, Edwards is becoming pretty um, integral to the way we play if he's played in the right position. Um, Got Lancaster so- and Bennett's that can. Yeah, help fill in in the wide roles. Yeah, I think Dazil makes us tick, doesn't he? Might just be a case of bringing the subs on slightly earlier for the next few games. Yeah, at this yeah, stage positive. of the season, a lot of them probably will be able to get to to play a few games in a row. But it's just yeah. a case of not not forcing them to play ninety minutes. Uh, you, you mentioned Dazil. No, sorry, Mikey. You think Nolan would probably start, wouldn't you? Tuesday instead of yeah. Hughes, maybe yeah. just to freshen yeah, I up think a it would bit. Be, or even Bishop, it would maybe. be strange. Yeah. If, it would be strange if Hughes did play two games in four days after not looking particularly fit for the last couple of games, but but who knows? So Dennis Sullivan's question, Joe, am I allowed to be impressed by Dazelle's defensive application today, today being yesterday, the Accrington game? I believe that is the biggest difference in him this season. He's he's definitely putting himself about and he's he's really trying. Sometimes he gets turned too easily because it's not his natural game and he gets drawn to the ball, but he's he's a ball player and and anything we get from him defensively is a bonus and it's probably why he hasn't played so much because he hasn't been doing that. But I'd say he's a member at, at the same gym I go to and you got he's often up there trying to bulk up and things like that. He was like throughout lockdown, he he, he was always up there. So he's he's not someone who is sort of just floating about on his talent. He's someone that is working hard and working all the time. During the season, you see him up there. He's just, uh, like I say, you don't hear much from him in the press, but he's a very dedicated pro. One of the chances that Ankrin had in the first half, he was the guy that was chasing chasing their their guy back um, when he had the, he took an early shot against Holy. So I'll, I'll be impressed with him, to be fair. As you say, he's been throwing himself into a few tackles, which shows confidence in his own body as well, more than anything else, doesn't it? Which is a good thing. Hmm. Absolutely. Um, Oliver Friston asks, Craig, should Lambert have made the subs sooner? Uh, with a lot of games to come and an injury ravaged squad, getting some key people off with 20 minutes left would have been sensible. Instead, Simpson got two minutes. Were you a little bit baffled by that with, at 2-0 up the game looking pretty much one? Yeah, maybe. Not, I not think if, I, I'm not too fast, to be fair. I think the, the first and foremost, just get get the game won. And I think, you know, You'd imagine the stick he'd have got had he made a couple of substitutions. Well, Milton Keynes, for example, he made substitutions early then and got bitten, got his ass bitten, didn't he? So I'd imagine that may well have had a um, an effect on having normal later substitutions yesterday. But I, I can't say it really um, it struck me as being a, a strange thing. You know, Simpson's very raw. It was working well, wasn't it? We were creating opportunities. Bennett's, um, Bennett had a Two or three chances, didn't he? Um, both you'd sides. Like, you'd like to see earlier subs on Tuesday night, though. Yeah, and I think I think we will because as I said the guys might be flagging a little bit early, yeah. earlier than they were at the weekend. But as I said, I, it didn't strike me as as anything untoward. I think it's just a case of getting the job done before we worry about anything. Yeah, because if you bring Simpson on in the 80th minute and then you concede in the 81st, you've yeah. got 15 minutes and the ball bounced off him a couple of times up front and 
you're just going to sit back and get deeper and deeper. So I say, I think it, I think he did. I've, I know he was only on for a couple of minutes, but he got quite involved in the, when he was on there, Simpson. So it was it was it was good to give him a little run out, but. Ultimately, I think maybe if you had Hawkins on the bench or Jackson on the bench, that change might have been a bit earlier with somebody yeah. that you can trust a bit more. And better say Bennett's, Bennett's got himself into, I say, two or three good positions. Didn't make the right choice, probably arguably on any of the three chances he had, but he did show that he was getting in and he was direct with the ball, wasn't he? He was cutting in and having mm. shots and probably should have passed it when he we were breaking like three on two, weren't we, at one point. Um, but it shows good signs. Yeah, good signs indeed. Blue Soap. Wants us to show some love for Kenlock. Uh, he says he's looked pretty solid for the last couple of games. So I'll ask James Chidwick's question to you, Joe. Is the lack of crowd... We've, we've had quite a few questions like this, but I th- think they're still relevant. Is the lack of crowd helping the likes of Toto and Kenlock? Um, and also great to see Chambers playing so well. I, I, I don't think we'll ever know because ultimately without a parallel universe going on, knowing knowing what's happening here, you, you just can't... You just can't say it's better, but it's it maybe seems to maybe be. after Kenlock struggles at Milton Keynes, coming back to playing two games at an empty Portman Road, probably a little bit easier than defending the North yeah. Stand in the first half. Where I, they're going to sorry, like get I, on I top think of him. I think NCR without a doubt, hundred percent NCR has benefited from not having the crowd there because you can you just know what the crowd would be like. The ball's knocked out to him ten yards out. And he either scuffs out a player, he knocks it straight to one of their players, which he has done, you know, a fair few times so far. You know what he'd about, and he'd just go into a downward spiral. Whereas it has it hasn't got on top of him, and he's been slinging it, throwing himself in the way of balls and getting into challenges and winning headers. I think I think if anyone, Enciala has benefited one hundred percent from not having the crowd. But I, it's it's a difference not that when he's making mistakes, they're not being punished because it did seem that. Especially in the championship season, he gives away a, free, a silly free kick against Rotherham in the corner. They score from it. He flies into a tackle against gets Wednesday, card, yeah. gets a red card, does something, gives away a penalty. And that one, like yesterday, where he heads the ball back to the keeper, he hasn't seen the striker there. And if that striker nips in scores, does his head drop at that point? Is it that he's not getting punished for his mistakes? Or is it that the crowd aren't giving him a groan? That's how I he's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think the crowd would have given him a groan even if these things don't lead to lead to goals. I just think it just builds up. Even if it's not obvious, it just gets picked up. And it just there's an atmosphere, there's an there's an edginess when he gets the ball inside yeah. the eighteen yard box, rightly or wrongly. There's not there's nothing wrong with being a lucky footballer as well. No, better to be lucky than good. Uh, I think MJ Miller, our friend up in Scotland, might have been on the tonic wine. But fast, maybe other tonic wines are available. He asks, with the great start to the season in mind, where do you think we'll need to strengthen? And how far do you think we'll get in the Europa League next year since we'll qualify via the FA Cup over the course of an unbeaten season this year? Winky face, Craig. So I think that we'll go with the proper question. Where do you think we'll need to strengthen? So well, is he talking about next summer or we'll go with January? Let's, let's go for the January window. Oh, crikey. Um, well, at the, at the moment, I'm not entirely sure we'd, well, maybe a right back if if Vincent Young isn't coming back anytime soon. Maybe a left back if Ward's one week out, which is now currently at three, um, extends any. I think we're probably a little bit short in the fullback areas if that's the case. Um, if not, you know, you've already got able substitutes that are already playing. I think I think our squad's good enough as it is. Um, I don't see any. What Joe was pointing out yesterday was the amount of players that we've got out of contract. So we may not have any choice but to uh, uh, improve the squad or look to improve the squad if, if you know, Joe can reel off his fact about how many of the starting 11 were out of contract in the summer. I can't, I can't remember exactly, but I, I Holy might not be, but I think it was like nine or 10 of the starting 11 are out of contract. And I think the only one outfield player that isn't is Miles Kenlock. So it's a. Uh, it's a big concern, really, because these players, we almost have to get promoted before we can sort any contracts out because of the salary cap. What's it going to be? Well, we'll give you anyone who's playing well two grand a week to stay in League One. And if we get promoted, you'll get six. Well, hang on a minute. I'll just wait and see if you get promoted or not. And if you do, I'll sign. And if not, I'll sign somewhere else. Yeah. If Guion Edwards gets 15 goals, if Teddy Bishop gets 12 goals, if Andre Dezel keeps playing as he is, if I say if John Nolan, I think he's up this year. I say it's 
<laughs> what what can you do though? We're we're in this position because of what's gone on previously, and there's no excuses to be made. But the salary cap coming into this league is is going to kill us if we don't get promoted this season. We're going to lose the whole team. Is that positive enough Do, for you, Doom's, Doomsday scenario, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let, let's go through the... Uh, let's pretend that Jai hasn't just said that and let's go through <laughs> the other results. Uh, so Cameron Jerome, as you mentioned, uh, helped Milton Keynes to a 2-0 win over Gillingham. Peterborough won 2-0 against bottom-placed Oxford United. Don't give your manager a new five-year contract. Don't give your manager a new five-year contract. Uh, Frank Nublay scored his first league goal for Plymouth as they beat fellow League One new boys, Northampton Town 2-1. I hear on the EFL show that people were questioning his, um, his contribution, weren't they, to the, unbelievably, to the team. Yeah, I find that hard to believe, because Nublay, Nuble, as, as we know him, is always a hard worker. But Just can't control yeah. the football, can he, or shoot straight. So maybe that's what they were questioning. <laughs> Quite possibly. Scored, scored in this game, though. Uh, Doncaster... Uh, scored a late winner away at Portsmouth. Their right back, Reese James, not that one. Maybe a player to watch out for. Fleetwood, a rare nil-nil for them against high-flying Lincoln. Looks like Fleetwood are maybe finding their feet. Crew won, Blackpool won. Blackpool's still struggling. Hull, Grant Ward. Grant Ward did score his first first league goal for Blackpool. Plastered Hull, it all over Instagram. He did, yeah. <laughs> well done, Grant. Well done, Grant. Um, Hull City won 3-0 at Rochdale so it looks like they are the real to deal. stay they are the real deal Bristol Rovers drew 1-1 with Burton the Swindon lot lost 2-0 at home to Sunderland Sunderland looked like they might be the real deal but you just never know it's easy Sunderland. up against lazy little slugs though isn't it <laughs> Shrewsbury won 1-0 away at Wimbledon I think that was a really late goal in that one um, Wimbledon of course playing at Loftus Road and Charlton won one nil against Wigan so not such good results for the teams that we've beaten so far this week uh, so let's look at the league table after six games there we are at the top played six won five drew one goals four 13 we're averaging over two points and scoring over two goals per game Hull only one point behind us, though. Then it's Lincoln, who have lost one and drawn one. Peterborough found their way back up there. Sunderland the fifth. Then it's Plymouth. Doncaster always seems to be about seventh. Seventh is crazy. Hopefully they'll they'll be lower than that after Tuesday's game. Then it's Gillingham, who always appear to be eighth. Um, Accrington are still ninth, and Portsmouth after. Pretty poor defeat for them. I mean, they've, they've had an awful start to the season, but still yeah. attempt. They're not that far behind us. It's a better start than they had last year, though. Yeah. yeah. It's sound about Enciola um, benefiting from there not being a crowd. I think Kenny Jackett's benefiting from there not being a crowd as well. Mm. I think yeah. if, unless the game's going on at the moment, unless Aston Villa beat Leicester tonight, we have the best points per game record in the whole football league at the moment. And points per game is very, very important. As we know. End it now. <laughs> end it now. Uh, we'll end the show now as well after some plugs. Um, I'm going to start by encouraging our listeners and viewers to follow our old mate Stat's new Twitter handle. Um, his old account was deactivated by some slugs. He's now at Call Me Stat. And while he might not be everyone's favourite Twitter user, I think he's a must follow for any town fan. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, please make sure you hit like on this video and are subscribing and that's partly so you won't miss out on the next live stream which I believe is this time happening ahead of the Doncaster game rather than after I think Benjamin Bloom is going to be talking to a fellow YouTuber a YouTube friend from Doncaster um, so yeah keep an eye out for that on Tuesday subscribe and ring the bell and then it will come up automatically and you can distract yourself from you can just call your working day over as soon as that starts on Tuesday. Um, so, yeah, before we go, any last words for me both? Anything you've reviewed to want to plug? No, not for me. No. Any <laughs> last words? <laughs> more, more CFs and fewer CAMs. Excellent. Okay, good night and wish for whatever you like.
The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there, offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.